Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online, internet, around-the-world church service. I'm so happy that you're here today because I'm convinced in my heart that God's Word is able to build you up, to give you the strength to do what He has called you to do, and to be developed into the person that he wants you to be. And that is the person that is in the mature image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Now today we're going to be in Zechariah chapter 3. Let's go to verse 10. We're going to receive the holy tithes and offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of God. And let's take a look at a verse that out of the many verses in the Bible, here's another one that reveals God's prosperity plan for your life. Oh yes, I say that with no reservation, no embarrassment, no shame. God's prosperity plan for your life. Zechariah chapter 3 verse 10. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine and under his fig tree. Notice the scripture says, in that day. What day is that referring to? Well, we have a good indicator from verse 8, a previous verse. It says, for behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. So this is a messianic prophecy foretelling the coming of the Messiah. And we know that he has come. He has accomplished what God assigned for him to do. He has completed that task, and now he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. So in that day, the day of the Lord, there were many, many things released into the better new covenant. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine and under his fig tree. You can't find the rabbi on the face of the earth that would not agree that this is referring to the prosperity of God's people. The phrase under his vine and under his fig tree denotes the life that is blessed by God. Now, yes, there's other references that you can, you can read into that quite easily. In other words, if you have your own vine and your own fig tree, and you're inviting your neighbor over, uh, that means you would have to have your own house. Woo! Praise the Lord. And so if you're believing God for a home, and you want to uh, strengthen your faith on that journey, then meditate on these types of scriptures that give scriptural, structural validity for your faith, exercising your faith for home ownership. But my, my friends, while this does include that, this is a blanket reference to God's plan to bless his people, where you have your own home, you have your own vine, you have your own fig tree, you can invite people over for Bible studies, you can have praise and worship uh, times at your house. It's, it's the anointing of prosperity. And you have to understand that Jesus was Jewish. And of course, he still is. And any Jewish person at that time, moving through the what we now know as the Old Covenant, 
and the mindset of the Jews that was formed through the, the Torah and the biblical teachings of the prophets and so forth. Any Jew that would have the least bit of knowledge of scripture would know that in God's word, that prosperity is a blessing from God. And they would directly know any Jew would that the curse is a representation that something is wrong. Something is really off track with your walk with God in that area. Now for a Jewish person, they wouldn't have the excuse of not knowing or how can we say, or being mistaught. I was mistaught when I was raised in church, having a better covenant. And yes, it dealt with my sin issue, gave me new life in Christ, eternal life in Christ. And if that were all, I'd be shouting praises for all eternity. But my friends, we didn't know growing up. My pastor didn't know. The elders didn't know. Others in that denomination did not know that God wanted us blessed. And if the pastor would have preached from Zechariah chapter 3 verse 10, it could have been an uprising on behalf of the elders. They would have just thrown him out and said, now we don't believe that. They probably would have said something dumb like this. That's only for the Jews. <laughs> Having no clue, really, you know, like let the light come on. Jesus is Jewish. They, they, this is their mentality. Their mentality is formed from the Torah, the Holy Word of God. Prosperity is God's plan for the Jewish people. God's uh, prosperity is God's plan for his people and poverty has always been associated with the curse because God connected it to the curse and revealed it as being a byproduct of the curse, the curse being a byproduct of sin. And that's all revealed in what any knowledgeable Jewish person would know in Deuteronomy chapter 28. So we as a evangelicals, we as Protestants, we as perhaps Catholics, we perhaps as Orthodox believers, we basically didn't know what the Jews knew for so long. Ah, but as we read the Bible through the understanding of the Old Testament, which set the framework for the New Testament, oh, it begins to make sense. God wants us blessed. God doesn't want us being homeless, not having any shoes, not having any food. What kind of a father would stand up and say, I'm just so happy that my two children have turned out to be hobos. Let's give them all a hand. Good job. Now go catch a ride on that box car. <laughs> You'd think that person had lost his mind, but there are still many in the church today. They'll celebrate the prosperity of the world and think it's wonderful while those that have it use it for the most filthy and vulgar means. But yet they'll turn right around and say that God's people, the church is not supposed to have anything that is all based on ignorance. And there's one cure for ignorance. And that is the word of God. Praise God. And my friends, if you want God's word to work for you, you're going to have to believe it. You're going to have to shake off what culture, uh, which always is transitioning, uh, you know, like a roller coaster in different directions. You're going to have to shake all that off and you're going to have to believe the Bible. 
And if you will believe the Bible, and if you'll believe especially Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then it will work for you. And Deuteronomy 28, it will work for you. But if you doubt it, and you think, well, you know, uh, things are different today, then you're not going to be able to walk into those promised blessings. Because let me tell you right now, there's one thing that God honors, and that's His Word. God's been around forever. Nobody ever created God. He's, he is the non-created God. He has always been. He's the eternal one. So when God sees all these silly little fads, God sees all this dumb stuff that goes on within the earth, the different nations, even if nations are having, maybe we could call it backsliding situations. God doesn't just like suddenly change his commandments or change his principles to accommodate that which is wrong. God's word is eternally true, rock solid, and the same. And so you have to believe it. You have to take it into your heart and just stand on it. And it'll begin to produce in your life. And yes, it'll work in your finances, but you need to believe God on purpose for prosperity. And you either shrug off any old poverty mentality, because if you don't, and you let even religious fuddy-duddy teaching affect your thinking, you, you could stay broke for the rest of your life. And you could struggle with money for the rest of your life. But there's going to come a day when your life will end, and you're going to go to heaven, and you're going to find out that when you get to heaven, that the whole time you were on the earth, you were believing, you were living far below your privileges. You were living far below the covenant standard that God made available for you through his son. Everything was on the table for you to receive by faith and to enjoy. But, you know, maybe you had some old communist or socialist talk you out of it. And uh, you know what? You have to stand on the word, stand on the word. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And look at the, look at the Jewish people. Remember, God made a covenant with Abraham. All 12 apostles were Jewish. Every single book written in the Bible. Now, some people, uh, some theologians argue about the gospel of Luke, but even still, I believe Luke was written uh, by, he, he was Jewish. So I believe every single Bible, we know all all of them, 65 for sure are, and I believe number 66 is as well, the, the Gospel of Luke. But they're all written by Jewish men. Praise the Lord. And we have a Jewish Savior. So don't let the world form your mindset concerning money. Woo, praise God. Get back to your biblical Judeo-Christian roots. What are they, Pastor Stephen? In that day, the day of the Lord, the day of the Messiah. Says the Lord of hosts, everyone, that means me and that means you. Everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine and under his fig tree. Do you really want to invite your neighbor over to your cardboard box and eat some uh, leftovers out of the McDonald's trash dumpster? Do you think anybody's going to want to come over? <laughs> Woo! Just stop and think about the insanity of those that glorify poverty. Mm, stick with the word. Stick with the word over religious tradition. Look, I was taught from the pulpit for years and years that poverty is holy. God wants us poor. God wants us poor. And you know what? We were poor. 
And we just drifted into a thought process that ended up, that left us stranded. And that thought process, well, it was like this. It was, well, you know, God just has a mysterious divine will where there's some that he has predestined to be rich, but for all the rest, which is the vast majority, it, he has predestined that we either be poor or maybe, maybe middle class. Mm -mm. But my friends, God has a plan, but you must merge into that prosperity plan through acceptance of his word, strict adherence to his word, rejoicing in his word. And remember, Jesus said, if you're ashamed of my teaching, you're ashamed of my word, I'll be ashamed of you. If you're embarrassed of what I said, he said, I'll be embarrassed of you on that day. Mm -mm. Well, Pastor Stephen, I, I don't believe preachers should preach in nice clothes. They should just preach in an old potato sack. Well, you go wear an old potato sack. I'm going to represent the Lord Jesus Christ as his ambassador, as a human being, as a minister of the gospel that has dignity. And I ain't wearing no potato sack. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. See, somebody's getting delivered in their mind. I am intentionally tearing down strongholds of wrong teaching and wrong thinking and wrong poverty mindsets. And I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. So let that be your confession. I have my own house. I have my own vine. I have my own fig tree. I've had extra food in the fridge so I can invite people over. Mm -mm. Praise God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -mm. Now that your faith is stirred to walk in God's goodness his even financial goodness towards your life. Let's honor him with the tithe that belongs to him. God commands 10% of all of our increase, all of our income. It goes to him. The 10%, the tithe goes to him. And on top of that, we can sow offerings as the Holy Spirit touches our hearts. And also just as we have a desire to want to bless the Lord and honor God with gifts and acts of love. And those would be called offerings. You can not only tithe, but you can give an offering as well. So let's honor the Lord and bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse right now. If you would prefer to mail them in, please send them to Stephen Brooks International. P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Our zip code is 28654. If you would like to bring the tithe and offering in online, you can do so from anywhere in the world, day or night. Praise God. The online storehouse is open. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link right on the homepage that says give, has a red heart on it. You can click that. You'll see the box for the tithes, and you'll see a couple of other box options. Perhaps you would like to sow an offering into one of those projects that we are currently working on. It would mean a lot to help us move forward with some of these extra projects that God has called us to do. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for honoring the Lord with your finances. And one day, may you hear those blessed words, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in. Come on in. There's a mansion waiting for you. Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm -mm -mm. Well, now, what's about 70% of the church going to do when they get to heaven and they never tithe? 
<laughs> never, never, never gave any money. Just didn't really have an interest in the things of God. Yet they were saved. That's nice. They're still welcome. They're still in. Man, they'll be, you know, they're going to just be like, oh, what was wrong with me? Woo, praise God. But my friends, I'm speaking to those that are the overcomers. I'm speaking to those that don't just say they love the Lord. You prove it through your obedience to him. Praise God. Thank you for your giving. Father, bless your people. Let their reward be wonderful. Thank you, Father. Let their life on earth be blessed. Let their finances prosper. I thank you for their own fig tree, their own vine. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm feeling a prophetic declaration coming forth. Maybe not a, I, maybe I wouldn't say a declaration, a prophetic insight. Some of you, you're wanting a home. You need to go buy a fig tree. You need to go buy a fig tree. Praise the Lord. We had a, we had a friend give, a ministry, give to the ministry a fig tree about 10 years ago. And the fig tree got gigantic and beautiful, beautiful figs. And then it died just completely. Um, just it looked like it was dead. Well, it seemed like it stayed like it was dead for two years. So you know what? We dug it up. And we moved it. We thought, and just before we were going to throw it away and have it hauled to the landfill, my wife said, Stephen, it could be that that tree could still have some life in it. She said, let's take it to our house. And we had just purchased a home. And we dug a nice spot for it. And we put in some super rich fertilizer, watered it, and prayed over it, laid hands on it. And that tree, oh, that tree looks so beautiful right now, somehow came back to life. <laughs> I mean, it was just dead for two years, but it sure is looking good now. Praise God. Mm. Getting ready for some figs. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But that can be a prophetic touch point for many of you. You want to own your own home. You, 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 you're believing God for your own, as they would say in Scripture, your own fig tree, your own vine. Go buy, your, go buy a fig tree. Keep it in a pot. Say, Lord, I'm going to plant this at my house. Hallelujah. Those, men, those of you that are ministers, you're believing God for your own ministry office. Get a fig tree for your ministry office. Praise God that you can plant it on the property. Glory to God. And then, and then you're walking in it. Zechariah 3 verse 10. Now, the thing about the grapevine, well, that's a lot of work. But you can have some figs. Praise God. Mm -mm. If I grow grapes, the deer are going to eat the grapes. But they leave the figs alone. They sure uh, picked my cherry tree clean. God bless them. Amen. Now, my friends, the Lord's blessing is coming to you. Thank you for your giving. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Go get your fig tree. Now, let's take our Bibles today and go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. I just had a minister friend overseas. He wrote an entire book expounding on Psalm 119 and he wants me to do the forward to the book and I've enjoyed reviewing his fantastic book and in the interim while I was doing that the Holy Spirit just happened to bring me over to Psalm 119 and had something for me in there too praise God and perhaps my friend has even covered this in the book 
I am not aware of that yet, but I know that the Holy Spirit brought it to my attention. And I'm going to talk about it today. Psalm 119, we're going to start in verse 49. And let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, into today's message, we're asking that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the scriptures and would illuminate the path that you have for us. We thank you for a bright, illuminated path. We thank you for no guesswork. We thank you for no lost in the fog. We thank you, Father God, that we know exactly what we're supposed to be doing because of the illumination of the path. Thank you for the illuminating power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, let us all say amen. Psalm 119, verse 49. Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. Now, I was having some uh, a coffee, a nice latte at a nice coffee house with a, a dear friend, ministry partner and very close friend. And we were talking about the things of God. And he said, he said, Brother Stephen, he said, God is doing so many things through your ministry. He said, I'm amazed at how many things your ministry is doing, you're, you're doing all of this, and you're doing all of that, and you're doing all of these things. And I said, well, brother, I said, it's all by the Lord's grace. And I said, you know, you could stand back and see these things, but in my life, in my world, it actually, it's, it's a very smooth flow. It's not like all this is going on and you know what, I'm just running and try. And yes, I am running in a sense, but it's not like I'm flustered or, you know, or just, you know, it's too much. It's too, no, it's actually a lot of fun. And so I'm having a good time. I'm actually enjoying it. But here's the thing. Every single thing that the ministry is doing today, every, everything without it, without one exception, every outreach of the ministry, every work of the ministry Everything that we're doing is all because of a direct word that I received from the Lord and then taking that word and acting upon it and stepping out on it, perhaps small at first, but then going with it and going with it and then watching it grow, watching it grow, watching it expand and watching it go further. But it's all because I received a word for every single assignment that we have launched out upon. Remember the word to your servant. Now God can give you a word and it is amazing how the enemy can try to cause you to forget a word. Even if that word were to come in a way that was so supernatural that when it initially happened, you're like, man, this is fantastic. I'm on the rock with this. And you are, but you know what? You have to continue to stand on that word. And it says, remember the word to your servant. So there's actually here, the psalmist is, is actually telling the Lord to remember. Well, pastor Stephen, God's not going to forget. Yes, we know that 
God is certainly not ever going to forget. And not only that, the word will never return to God void. That word is always loaded with power. But it, it could come to us potentially and be void because we take our eyes off of it. We get, we get focused on wrong things. We get distracted. And the re- reminding God of what He said also reminds us of what God said, and it honors God because He loves His Word. He loves it so much, He even wrote a book <laughs> of all the things that He said. <laughs> Praise God. So it's very, very important to Him. So the psalmist says, remember the Word to your servant. So God, hey, God, I remember now. Yes, it's almost like my mind uh, starting to let that slip. And maybe it was a word that God said three months ago. Maybe it was a word that God unveiled to you two years ago. Or, or maybe it was something where you had a vision, and maybe an angel or, or, the, or the Lord brought a message to you, and it electrified your faith. Praise God. But it's also a faith assignment that has to be walked out. And even though you had such a supernatural experience, uh, some time can go by and your faith can be tested. And you're like, Lord, I, I really need to hear from you. And sometimes he doesn't give a new word. Sometimes he helps you to recall a former word because that was rock solid and it'll still stabilize you. It'll still move you forward. And really the truth is all you need is one word. That's all David needed was one stone to take out Goliath. The other stones, the extra ones he got were for Goliath's brothers uh, because family members oftentimes get involved in conflicts and stuff like that. But it, really, he just needed one stone. I don't think he had any intentions of missing at all. <laughs> and all you need really is one word from the Lord. Uh, that, that's all you need. You really can get the job done on one scripture, one word of God speaking to you. You can get it done with that. So we have to uh, be aware of that word. We have to celebrate that word. We have to remind ourselves of that word. And because God loves his word and honors his word, we have to bring it back before him again and say, now remember God, you said this. And Lord, you remember also you said that you watch over your word to perform it. And Lord, I just want you to be mindful of that. And he is, and he likes that. See, there are some people that try to trap you in their words, but God doesn't mind if you trap him in his words because he's never going to say anything wrong. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, yeah, I said that. I sure did. And so we need to bring that before the Lord. Now watch this. Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. That word from God will do three primary things. One, it will bring instant hope into your spirit and hope is not like the world's hope where you, you know, you got those people out there, they, they hope they win the lottery. They're buying cards and spending their hard earned money on these stupid lottery tickets. Um, and they're scratching them off and they're hoping that they're going to win. That's the natural hope. And it's, it is extremely disappointing and, uh, uh, might come through, might not usually doesn't, but the God, kind of hope is very, very powerful and it creates an ongoing sustaining expectancy. Yeah. It's going down, you know, like, yes, it's happening and it can happen today. 
And I'm in faith that it will, praise God. So that faith and hope working together, that very, very dynamic duo. So it causes hope. The moment you get a true word from God, it will just bring that dream on fire on the inside of you. And that your hope's right back up. It's right back up. What, the hope, what? That it's going to happen. That it's going to happen. And that there is an element of like, even if it's like, uh, even if it doesn't happen today or this week, it's happening. It is going to happen, and I know it is. Woo, praise God. Mm-mm. Now, he said it caused me to hope. Now, watch this. This is my comfort in my affliction. So, this word also brings comfort. So, it brings hope, and it brings comfort. And you're going to need that word to remind you because that word will bring comfort when oftentimes the enemy can mock and he could say, you don't have it yet, do you? And he can do things like that. And he can try to taunt and he could try to work through people to constantly discourage and to say things like, well, you meant well, but I guess it's just not God's will for you. you might as well just get ready to die <laughs> and stuff like that. And so affliction also uh, can be referring primarily to tests and trials and difficulties that present circumstances that say it's never going to happen for you. But see, that word will bring a supernatural comfort. And that comfort basically says to you, yeah, it's going to happen. And I don't care how much you snicker or laugh. I'm still going to get it. Woo! It, it'll do that. Um, it will do that. It'll bring a comfort and uh, th- th- there is a rejoicing going on with within your heart because you know God will come through. This is my comfort in my affliction. For your word has given me life. And there's the third thing. That word will give you life. And that life pertains to the life of God coming into you and your willingness to walk out your life pertaining to the unique plan that God mapped out, strategized out just for you before you were even born and put on the planet. God already knew exactly his plan for you. Now, let me say this. You will never know that plan. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how gifted you are. And you start to move in a certain path and you just say, this is me. This is what I was born to do. You will never ever know God's plan for your life without knowing Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because your destiny is wrapped up and tied up in Jesus. And unless you're in Jesus and He has become your your Savior and your Lord, you'll never fully know what God has for you. Even if you could somehow sniff out the trail, even if somehow you can make sense a little bit just because of maybe a draw towards a certain direction, you'll never know it. It'll always be veiled until you find Christ as your Lord and Savior. I don't care how much the world applauds you and says, yep, isn't he successful? It'll mean nothing. What does it matter if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul. It means nothing. It means nothing. Praise God. So you must know the Lord and you must walk with the Lord. So 
your word has given me life. It has given me life. And that life is that energy. That life is knowing, yes, Lord, this is something you've got planned for me. And I'm excited about this because, Lord, I like this. And the, Lord, and the Lord's like, yeah, I know you do. I put, that, I put that in you. Woo, praise the Lord. For your word has given me life. The true word, it will lift you. It will energize you. Uh, even as we know the simple gift of prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. You hear that prophetic word. It blesses your heart. Praise God. That is what the living word of God will do. Your word has given me life. The proud have me in great derision. Now that word derision can mean that the proud have me in a place where they're ridiculing me. They're sneering at me. They're scornful of me. It can even be a reference to their mocking me. The proud have me in great derision, yet I do not turn aside from your law. David, my friends, was a word man. I'm a word man, praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You must learn to follow the directions of this book. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, you know, God gives, he gives grace. He gives leniency. He does. But if you're just playing around and you're toying in things that God forbids, uh, you're going to get hurt. Praise the Lord. And you're not going to be able to walk in the fullness of the blessing that God has for you. And there will be certain areas where your mind cannot get into the wisdom to go the direction or path that God has for you. You must really, really be like David, where you say, I do not turn aside from your law or your word, your principles, your teachings. I don't care what kind of pressure culture tries to put on me. I'm not conforming to anything, but the holy eternal word of God. Mm -mm. My friends, that word has the power to move you forward into that place where what he has called you to do will be brought fully to pass. Praise God. Now, let's go to Psalm 105. Psalm 105, verse 16. And this would be a reference to Joseph. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. That would be the Lord. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Wow. The enemy will try to get you to forget the word that God gave to you. He'll try to get you to forget that prophetic vision or that prophecy given to you by the prophet or prophetess that made the hair on the back of your neck stand up. The, the prophecy that electrified you for three days and it was all you could think about. The enemy will try to get you into a place where you forget that. And you're just consumed with the negative circumstances that would suggest 
It's not going to happen for you. My friends, even if a person like Joseph, who was wrongly imprisoned, if such a person will just stay with that word, eventually that word will bring you out. And what God will do in the interim is that he'll stand back. He'll stand back and he'll watch to see if you really believe his word, not just believe it for three days and not just, you know, really latch onto it for three weeks and celebrate it and tell everybody how you really have stepped out to believe God. No. What if it goes longer? What if it goes for three months? What if it goes for three years? Joseph was in prison for 13 years. I'm not saying that that testing would last that long for you, but I, I'm thinking of one uh, minister that went through a five-year test, and after the end of five years, he sensed that it was going to break. And God sent a prophet, one of the world's leading prophets to him, and that prophet said, the Lord shows me that the fiery trial that you have been in for the last five years, it's over and you have passed a test and God's going to set you up on high. And the Lord did greatly lifted that minister up, greatly blessed him. That word, that word can try you. Praise God. The word of the Lord, the remarkable dreams that were real that Joseph had. We're talking about real words, real, whether the word came through a dream, a valid dream, a valid vision, or the rhema word leaping off the page as a living word, just as if God spoke it. In essence, he did speak it. it it's a, that's what the rhema word is. But nevertheless, that word, oh yes, it can try you. Praise God. And you would think, how can that word work? How can it overcome these things that I'm in? My friends, God has a, an ability to be able to work miracles. And while we look at miracles as being these great big things to God, it's just easy, easy stuff. The greatest miracle that we could ever imagine. I mean, it's just easy, easy stuff with God. When you look at the expanse of the universe and all these galaxies and all these stars and all of this uh, uh, majesty that display his, his omnipotent power, you realize yeah, this, this is like for God, this is easy. And so my friends, we must hold to his word because it will produce in our lives. Verse 20, we see that it eventually produced for Joseph because he never gave up on it. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him Lord of his house and a ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I see your trial, the trying of that word. I see that season being fulfilled and you coming into the manifestation of that word in your life. Praise God. Let's go to the gospel of John. John chapter 21. And let's go to verse 18. Praise God. Jesus said to him, that would be Peter, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. 
who, had, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. In other words, the context, you follow me in your own unique and specific calling and assignment that I have for you, which is very different from John, which is very different from Andrew, which is very different from all of the others. You follow me in the path that I have been talking to you about over the last, you know, 10 minutes or however long, uh, showing Peter personal details about his life, his upcoming future. But yet Peter seemed to have some type of infatuation with somebody else's assignment, maybe somebody else's ministry, maybe somebody else's career path, maybe somebody else's job, somebody else's life. Let me ask you a question. Why do many people, including some Christians, watch soap operas? Why do they watch these fake make-believe worlds of somebody acting out a false life. Why would anybody waste their time doing that? Because they don't know their true purpose or they are not really interested in what God has for them and their life. So they are infatuated with somebody else's life and they would rather live somebody else's life. Why would anybody watch some kind of a stupid reality show of somebody else? It's the same thing as a soap opera. It's a reality show. What's such a great interest in seeing somebody else live their life when you have your own life to live? And Jesus, he got a little bit point blank, a little bit direct with Peter and said, what is that to you? In other words, John's ministry and what John is going to do. Jesus told Peter, what is that to you? It's not your life. It's not your calling. It's not your path. <laughs> Why? What's, what, what's up with the infatuation about John? Well, now, Pastor Stephen, it seems like John had a little something special. They all had something special. You have something special with the Lord. There is no other you. I, I hope you've noticed that. Nobody else out there has your fingerprints, your DNA, your smile, your personality, and nobody else ever will. You are you are a one and done. You're it. Praise God. And so you have something very, very special going on with the Lord. And you need to follow the Lord. Follow the Lord in the area of the fulfillment of what He has called you to do. Mm-mm. Pastor Stephen, I don't know how to do that. You do it through a word. You do it by getting the word that God has for you, understanding that tie, that word ties you in with prophetic destiny, ties you in with assignment, and you just stay on that word, work that word. You're aware of it. You remind yourself of it. You remind God of it. Hey, God, that's remember, that's what you told me, Lord. I'm not out here doing this because I don't have anything else to do. <laughs> Lord, I'm doing this because remember, remember, Lord. Mm, 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 mm. You follow me. You follow me. Pastor Stephen, that's a little bit rude what Jesus did to Peter. No, it's actually rude what Peter was doing. 
Praise the Lord. What God has for you is when you get the understanding of it and how he tailor made that just for you. I tell you what, you're suddenly like, Lord, hey, Lord, I like my life. Lord, I'm, I don't need to watch some stupid soap opera. I got my, I like my life. I like my life better than their life. Why? This is my life. Hey, and yeah, happy for others out there that have their thing going on too. That's great. That's great. That's great. But I love my life in the Lord. I don't need artificial stimulation. I don't need to watch soap operas. I don't need to see somebody else live out a fake life that's not even real. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. Mm -hmm. I guess we could label romance novels the same way. All that stuff, silly, silly stuff. Now, let me say this. In the light of what Jesus said, you follow me. In that unique calling, that, th those unique areas. I want to say this. You can't do everything. I've met some people that think they can. But the truth is they can't. You can't do everything. And let me give you something that will help you to relax. You aren't expected by God to do everything. He doesn't expect you to do that because he knows you can't. Praise the Lord. You don't have the financial resources to do everything. You don't have the strength, the energy, the stamina to do everything. And most importantly, let this go into your spirit. Most importantly, you don't have the word to do everything. You don't have a word from God telling you do this, 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 and it just goes on forever. You, you don't have that. You have specific words. Everything this ministry is doing, again, comes back to something that God told me either in my prayer time, my fellowship, my time with him, or some type of visitation or encounter with the Lord. And that's what I'm doing. And there's a million other things that I'm not doing that I could do, but I'm not going to do them because God hasn't told me to do them. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, you need to jump over here on that. God, that's a good thing. But God hasn't told me to jump over there on that. I've got a full plate right here with this and the full, the plate's getting larger. <laughs> Woo. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, but, but Jesus, what, uh, what about John? Look, look, look what he's doing. Yeah, that, that's nice. That's nice. But Peter, Peter, I know you like my mother. She's a nice lady. And I know you are very sweet to her. But Peter, I'm not, I'm not asking you to take care of Mary. John's going to take care of Mary. And, uh, and I, I don't need you to uh, do this, 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 and this. That, I've got others on those assignments. Mm -mm. Voices, voices everywhere. Voices, voices everywhere. Come do this. Come be involved in this. Come be involved in this. Come do this. And there'll be some voices that you connect with. But there'll be a lot of others that you just have to say, keep up the good work. Keep going strong, but I've got to stay in my lane. Mm -mm. You know, Jesus was unique. He's God in the flesh. Now, that power, that God power, he laid it down, operated as a man with the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do mighty works. But with that mystery of being God and man at the same time. 
you can see in Jesus the fullness of every ministry office. I mean, he wasn't like just another apostle. According to Hebrews, we're told that he was the apostle. So it's not like, hey, he's just one of all the thousands of apostles that, you know, that are in the earth. No, he was the apostle that every other apostolic minister, you know, follows after. He's the prototype. He's what we would endeavor to emulate. He wasn't just another prophet. He was the prophet. The one that Moses said that, hey, there's coming somebody a whole lot greater than me. And when he comes, he is the prophet. Listen to him. Do what he says. Okay, so he's talking about Jesus. Praise God. Not just another prophet. The prophet that any prophet would endeavor to emulate and follow his prophetic ministry. And Jesus was not just like another evangelist. He was the evangelist. He's not just another pastor. No, he's the great shepherd of the sheep. And he's not just like another good teacher. He's the teacher. He, he could teach. Yes, he can preach. But wow, just incredible teaching, which is very, very essential. So my friends, while the Lord was able to do all of these things and fill each ministry office, fill each ministry office, as ministers of the gospel, we have to realize that we have to be set in where he places us and you can't do all five and in, in work within various, you know, platforms of work, you have to realize that um, if, if you don't get really good at something, you're going to end up in this very bad place, which is called a Jack of all trades and a master of none. And that's something that you don't want. And that happens because you're trying to spread yourself too thin, try and do all this stuff, think you can do all this stuff, but you need to move towards becoming excellent in what God has called you to do and staying on task, not getting all distracted, but staying focused, staying focused in your position. And if you do, if you do, you will be rewarded. Praise God. Romans chapter 11, Romans 11 verse 13 the Apostle Paul said, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. Now remember, Peter, totally different assignment, apostle primarily to the Jews. Now, yes, he would, he would skip over and do some other things, ministered to Cornelius, brought he and his family into the Christian faith. So now he's, he's reaching to some Gentiles, but primarily his ministry was for the Jews. But you have Paul mainly reaching out to the Gentiles. And yes, he's still going to go to a lot of synagogues. He's going to try to reach a lot of Jews, but primarily he's going out to the nations. He's ministering to the Gentiles for, I speak to you Gentiles. And as much as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. Now that magnifying his ministry in essence was him being obedient to the Lord Jesus to do what the Lord had asked him to do. And he didn't say, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm not really needed. we got a lot of other guys out there. You know, we got the other, we got the other apostles to carry on the work. And, uh, you know, I got Barnabas. He's real good. And, you know, we're raising up Apollos. And, you know, seems like there's a lot of people, they, they, they don't like me. They say, I'm just causing too many problems. I guess I'll just go sit down and uh, go over in the corner and, uh, you know, just do something that will, uh, you know, maybe take up some other time doing something else. But no, 
No, he understood his value. He understood his uniqueness. He understood his role. How? How did he get that understanding? The word of the Lord coming to him, revealing destiny, unveiling the path, and it comes by the word of the Lord. And when you have that word, you're, you're moving quick. You're on the way. Praise God. I magnify my ministry. One translation says, I boast about my ministry. Praise the Lord. And there is a part of our lives where we walk in the humility of the Lord, but there's another part that brings that balance that, that is very much needed where, you know, I can help people in this area. I'm good at this. If you're a brain surgeon, you're like, Hey, I can, I can fix your head. I can, you know, I can fix your brain or your car. Hey, I'm a really good uh, tech person with cars. Hey, I can, there's something wrong with it. I can take the whole thing apart and fix it. I'm really good. And you magnify that area, that anointing, that gifting that God has put in you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm -mm. I magnify my ministry. I magnify my ministry. Praise God. Well, my friends, the Lord was really wanting Peter to get into that assignment, that fullness of apostolic ministry that he had for him. And in order for him to get going in the right direction, Lord had to give him some strong words. What is that to you concerning John? What is that to you? Peter, you've got your own ministry. I've just given you personal insight about your future. You, you don't need to be distracted by all this other stuff. Mm, 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 mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And Peter moves forward. Later, Paul comes on the scene. Paul moves forward. And there were many people that tried to get Paul just to shut it down. But he wouldn't shut it down. And he says, I magnify my ministry. And he says, I appreciate all that Peter's doing. Peter's doing a great job. James is doing a great job over there at the church in Jerusalem. But hey, I've got some things also that need to be said. And I have received some revelations that are greater than what the disciples have even understood. Because I have been taught things by the Lord himself. And I'm going to share those. And he did. He did. Praise God. And God has put things in you that can only be expressed in certain ways, in a best way, through the vessel that he chooses. Praise God. And it doesn't matter if God has called you to bake cookies and to sell cookies or be evangelist to a remote part of the world. It doesn't matter. Just develop that and say, I magnify my ministry. Yes, we need to magnify John's ministry. Yeah, that, that, that's good. John has plenty of people cheering him on. Everybody likes John, the beloved apostle, the one that leaned his head on the Lord's chest. Oh, look, he's got a big fan group. John's just fine. But look, you have to understand that you are very vital in the church. You are very vital with what God has invested into you, and you need to magnify that. Praise the Lord. Mm, 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 mm. And don't listen to the voices. Don't listen to those types of criticism that will say, well, now, you know, you're really not that much needed. 
See, David said, the proud have me in great derision. The proud mocking him and saying, ah, you know, you're, we, we don't really need you and you can be replaced and on and on it goes. And we don't even really believe you're the king and we, we want it somebody else. We want it Saul. And, you know, you have people like that. But what got David through with comfort and hope and life was the word, was the word, was the word. And God has a word for you. Now, I'm teaching this message right now. It's about 2.45 in the morning. You might be thinking, well, Pastor Stephen, why in the world are you teaching in the middle of the morning, in the middle of the night? Well, because I started much earlier, of course, in the day, went into the uh, afternoon, went into the evening, and I was wanting a word from the Lord uh, on a certain thing, a certain thing that I've really been talking to the Lord a lot about. And I want to tell you a little bit of how this works. When you want a word, you have to really seek the Lord for that word. And I'm not talking about fabricating something or just trying to make something up to get a, you know, like, well, I, I guess that's a word. I guess I'll take that. No, that won't work when things get tough. You must have true words, genuine, authentic experiences with the Lord. So as I kept on seeking the Lord, uh, it just took me a while to get quiet. It took me a while for my mind just to get relaxed, to get quiet. And uh, it wasn't until like 11 o'clock at night where it just everything went like totally tranquil. It's like I got onto a body of water. Uh, it reminds me of one time I went on the Sea of Galilee, uh, of course, in Israel. And it was so tranquil and smooth. There was not one wave anywhere. It was like like glass. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> and that's what I came into. And it took me a long time to just waiting, seeking, hanging out with the Lord until I got into that place where I was now finally positioned to receive a word from the Lord. And once everything got real still and real quiet, and it took about six hours to get into that place. Then I got on that smooth, uh, uh, crystal sea of, uh, of moving forward with the Lord in prayer. And sure enough, he started talking. So you can't make, you can't force God to talk, but if you just hang around, hang around, not so much until he's ready, but also when you're ready, when you're real calm, we're re real, real relaxed. And, uh, you can discern, you know, what's, what's, uh, and you know, when you get into that place, very, very smooth place. Mm -mm. It's like the vanilla place. Vanilla is very, very smooth and relaxing. Mm -hmm. And you feel like in that place that if that were sustained, your body wouldn't get tired. You feel like you could just sit there forever. You feel like you could sit there for days and days in the presence of the Lord, enjoying the, the Lord's presence. And he starts talking. Mm -mm. And the scriptures start coming and the revelation starts flowing. And I had an experience with the Lord where he took me back to a previous word and basically said, I'm not going to give you a new word on that. Why? I've already given you a word on that through a supernatural experience. And I said, my goodness, Lord, you sure did. I guess I was just seeking something fresh because I'm just still walking this out, believing for the miracle manifestation. And I said, but Lord, it is true. You actually revealed that to me. And as I got back on that word, life shoo, rushed, rushed, 
rushed back into me. Praise the Lord. And the journey continues. See, remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. So hope comes back. This is my comfort. Comfort returns. And your word has given me life. Praise God. The word of God is eternal. It's always living. And that word, my friends, will just lift you up. It'll lift you up. This is the same word that created everything that we see. The beautiful mountains, the sun, the moon, the distant stars, everything within the universe. It all came forth by God's word. So when he gives you the word, you must stand on it. You must hold to it even in the midst of derision, even, even in the midst of others who would maybe perhaps even mock or not agree with it. But because you're on the word, praise God, that word will work for you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I would also say that when you are going in a certain direction in your unique calling, you also will by the Holy Spirit, you'll have others at times that you cross pollinate with. Why? They are also those of like precious faith and they're believing God too. And they're holding the word too. And they're trusting God too. And some of them in a sense are not on the same unique path as you, but they are also in a same flow. They're in the same vein. Woo. Praise God. And so you can encourage each other. Brother, I know you believe in God. I'm standing with you also. It's going to happen. Yes. And brother, you're going to get yours too. And you know, hallelujah. It just iron sharpens iron. So does one man sharpen another. So eagles fly um, within that group. There can be places where there's gatherings of eagles. Praise the Lord. But those are the ones who are in faith, believing God, taking God serious with his word. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. So my friends, let your focus be restored. Let your focus be restored. And like Peter, who was just caught up with John, maybe, maybe there was a little bit of envy there. I don't know. Well, now we do know that they had, you know, the apostles, they had their time sometimes. <laughs> you know, you had the two brothers that had kind of gone behind the scenes and they had talked to their mother and their mother had gone to the Lord and said, Hey, uh, Lord. Uh, and she brings the two, the, the two uh, apostles and says, Hey, uh, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, in other words, when you're ruling and reigning over the whole world from Jerusalem, let my two boys, one sit on one side and one on the other of you, when you have your big throne and everything, let them sit on the right and left. And uh, man, when the other apostles heard about that, they were hot, they were mad. And, uh, and so, yeah, you had, you had these things going on sometimes. And perhaps John's special walk with the Lord made some others, you know, that's not right. He's that close to the Lord, but you know, everybody has their own thing. Everybody has their own thing. We, we need to leave John alone. John's doing just fine. And you have to focus on your own thing. And the Lord had to help Peter with that. And I feel in my spirit that, that he's trying to help some of you with that also. <laughs> Woo. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I'm trying to be a little bit nicer because the Lord, he's, 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 he's the most loving person, but he can be very, very, very strong in, in bringing needed correction. And he, he could just say very, very strongly, what is that to you? Mm. 
So praise God. And we don't want him to say that to us. We want to be busy about what God has called us to do. And encourage others. Um, as you are in that place with the Lord, doing what he's called you to do and you, and you love it, you know what? It frees you up to have true love for others. Yeah, go for it. Keep on going. Amen. And it's just, it's so good to be in your flow that God has called you to be in. Praise God, regardless of what that is. And if you, if you don't know, if you don't know what it is, it's in here somewhere. You need to get the word. You need to get the word. You take your Bible, take a notepad and a pen and go sit down somewhere and just wait on the Lord and pray and worship the Lord until you get into that place where you're real calm, real steel, and you can get a word. Praise God. And if you've never had one, he'll give you one. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And I'll say it again. One is all you need to get the job done on that task. One's all you need. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands. Father, thank you for your people. They're all giant killers. And the enemy knows it. And while the enemy would try to act like a big tough guy, and the enemy's actually intimidated by them. That's why he's doing the mocking and doing all of the uh, uh, attacks of bad dreams and nightmares at night, trying to do it because he's, he's intimidated. He's intimidated. It's, it's all a bluff. So, Father, I just thank you that I'm speaking to giant killers. I thank you, Father God, that you do miracles for those that believe. And I thank you, Father, that your people are busy about what you have called them to do. Thank you. And they celebrate the unique assignment that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. If you're watching today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as Savior and Lord, there's no better time than right now to get your life right with Him because the Holy Spirit is moving on your heart right now. So right now, pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Jesus, you died to save sinners. You died on the cross, and you rose again on the third day. So Jesus, save me now. I give my life to you. I turn from sin. Wash all of my sins away. Write my name in your book of life. I take you now as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me now. In your name I pray. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, we praise you for your word. We praise you that your word is not a history book. It's a living book. It's alive. It's alive. Thank you, Father God, that you are a God who speaks. And there is no other God. And even if there is any other so-called God, those gods are all mute and they can't talk. We thank you, Father God, that you are the true speaking God. We thank you. We thank you. That all over the world you're speaking your word, your assignment to your people. And we thank you. We rejoice that it's a good word. We give you praise. We thank you 
Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's take Holy Communion together. Those of you also that just gave your life to Christ, take communion with us. This will be the first time that some of you have ever taken communion. Grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. If you don't have one of these little wafers, just grab a, like a little saltine cracker or something like that. If you don't have that, grab like a Cheez-It or something. Praise God. The Lord understands until you can get your little wafers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. And we set it apart as holy through this prayer. And we thank you that as we receive this, we are now receiving the body and the blood of Jesus the Christ. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, that we can all use a little encouragement at times to stay on assignment with the beautiful things that sometimes we take them for granted. But, Father, we thank you. For the uniqueness that you've put in every person. Thank you, Father God. We give you praise. Let us be faithful to encourage others onward. We thank you. We give you praise, O oh God. Thank you, Father. As we're all running the race, endeavoring to cross the finish line. Thank you, Father God. Let us stay focused and not be distracted. Thank you, Father. We now receive the body, the flesh of Jesus. In his name, amen. Let's partake. God's going to connect you with some friends that are on the same destiny type journey. Hallelujah. I've got friends like that. But I'm talking to those that you're feeling a little bit lonely. And you're looking for some other eagles to fly with. God's going to cause there to be some wonderful things happen. Where you have those divine connections and friendships. Praise the Lord. Of course, that's all in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We ask that you would wash away all of our sins, forgive us of our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Father, if we have sinned against anyone, we ask that there be forgiveness. And Father, that those people would forgive and Father, we certainly forgive anybody, anyone who sinned against us. We forgive them, and we forget about it, and we go on in wisdom and in love. We thank you, Father God. Father, we pray that you lead us away from temptation. We don't want any crazy distractions. And we pray that you deliver us from the evil one who had tried to pull us off track, get us looking in directions other than the path that we're supposed to be focused on. Thank you, Father. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the blood of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands. Father, we give you praise. We thank you, Father God, mighty creator. You know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. We give you praise. In Jesus' name. You know, I took a test one time after college. And after college, I'd, uh, the test was a little bit later. I uh, began working different jobs, and the years started going by. I was very, very frustrated, extremely disappointed. I was 26 years old. Get ready for this. I was 26 years old, and I had already worked 
73 different jobs. Isn't that wild? How crazy is that? And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what God wanted me to do. And I, I just couldn't figure it out. And I, and I was just like, God, I don't, I don't know what to do. I'd work a job, and I, I just think, this is a crazy job. This is not working for me. And, and so, um, now, I know that's kind of crazy. I know for most people that's, you know, you usually slip into something. But that, I'm just telling you what happened to me. I went through 73 jobs. And some of the companies, they really wanted, they really liked me. Uh, they really wanted me to stay. <laughs> but I was just like, the, some things about this job, that I'm, I, it's not clicking. I, I don't like it. I had a job one time where I was assigned to um, fill orders for pesticides that farmers would use to spray uh, and kill certain crops and certain bugs. And the pesticides were so dangerous and lethal that we're extracting it one time out of a barrel. And the person said, Stephen, if one drop were to touch you and I, we're going straight to the hospital. And so, and the guy that was trying to train me was a drunkard. He always came to work drunk every day. And uh, so I'm just like, ah. And so as much as they wanted me to stay, and, you know, I had stuff like that happen over and over and over again. So I would just leave. And one day, there was a, uh, a nice young lady. She, was, uh, she had a master's degree in psychology. And her specialty was job placement. She said, Stephen, there's a test. I'm going to have you take a test it will take you anywhere from six to eight hours to complete it. But once you complete this test, I will know exactly. I will know exactly what you're supposed to do in life. Now, keep in mind, this is psychology and psych psychiatric efforts to do their best to unlock what is actually in the human spirit. And it's good stuff, but it's not God stuff. I took the test. I slowly answered every question to the very best of my ability. It took me about maybe seven hours, somewhere like six and a half, seven hours. <laughs> and I finished it. I turned it in. She said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to run it through the thing. I'm going to compare the data. And she said, I'll be able to tell you exactly what you're supposed to do in life. I said, great, great, great. I'm finally going to know. I'm finally going to know. <laughs> And she came back like, um, like five days later with the results. And it wasn't good. I could tell by the look on her face it wasn't good. She said, Stephen, she said, I have never seen anything like this before. She said, according to the results, you fall into a category that is less than the one percentile category of all the other 99% of the people that are out there. You are in, you're not only in the 1%, you're less than the 1%. And the only, the only occupation this says that you could ever do and will ever be good at is to become a helicopter pilot. <laughs> I said to do what? She said to be a helicopter pilot. She says, that's what the test shows. I said, I don't know what to think about that. She said, well, that's, that's it. She said, these tests are accurate. And, um, the whole time, the destiny was right in front of me, and I couldn't see it. The whole time, it was like on billboards everywhere. It's like people trying to tell me everywhere, minister, ministry, ministry, ministry. I couldn't pick it up. I couldn't pick it up. Neither could the psychiatrist. I didn't know until I came into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit began to teach me, break things off of me, and help me to see the true destiny that God had for me. All right, now watch this. 
That was in my mid-20s. When I was in my 40s, when I was in my 40s, I was reading an article in an aviation magazine from the world's, one of the world's greatest helicopter pilots. And this is what the article said as they were interviewing the pilot. She was a lady. She was a woman. She said this. She said, when I was in my 20s and got out of college, I didn't know what to do in life. I tried different jobs. <laughs> you probably know where this is going. <laughs> she said, I tried different jobs. I wasn't happy with anything. I couldn't find satisfaction in anything. And she said, I ended up taking a very long, extensive psychiatric diagnostic test that would point me in the right career direction. And she said, after I finished the test, it showed that I fell in a very, very small percentage of those that aren't like others. You have, to, you have a very unique, uh, put-together system of what will work for you and what it won't. And the test said that I would only be good at one thing, and that was helicopter pilot. And she went on. She said, okay, if that's what it is, I guess I'll do it. And she dove into it head first because she's a smart person. And she ended up becoming what is considered the world's greatest female helicopter pilot. One of the greatest in the world, actually. Praise the Lord. But here's, here's the catcher. Here, you ready for this? Here's the catcher. When reading the article, it left the impression by some things that she said that she's still not sure if that's what she's supposed to be doing, even though she's now considered the best in the world in it. Woo! She still, when you read her answers to some of the questions, you still kind of, you got a takeaway of like, she's still searching. She's still looking. You can only find it in the Lord, and you can only find it by the anointing of the revelation of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Get into the Word. Pray in tongues. Spend time. Get into the Word and just wait on the Lord until He speaks. Until He speaks. And when you get the Word, you're going to know exactly what to do. Whether it's cookie maker, helicopter pilot, submarine director, whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Get the word. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that's not in here about submarines. You'd be shocked what Holy Spirit can pull out of this book to speak to you about. <laughs> it's all in there. It's, it's all in there. It's all in there. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. Every bit of your life is there. Praise God. The Holy Spirit could unveil it in prophetic form, speak to you. Get ready. Get ready. The word is coming. Father, bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. I say goodbye to you. Uh, not uh, from the left seat of a helicopter, but from behind a pulpit. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Bye-bye.